Hey, guy. Hey, guy. Okay, cool. So I can hear you. You can hear me. <clears throat> Did I have to download the Anchor app to do this? No. No, it's just uh, done through like a kind of just like a little phone thing. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, so like, but I mean, if you wanted to like start your own podcast, I mean, yeah, you would download Anchor and then you could just record through your phone like this. No, I'm good. That's doing the most right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, starting in three, two, one. Alrighty, so I have my dear friend Z, aka Zlatan. It should be the other way around, but I prefer it this way. Um, <laughs> but uh, why don't you go ahead and tell these people a little bit about yourself? Hi, everyone. Well, thanks for having me on, Tino. Yeah. Um, my name is uh, Zlatan Yurinovich. I go by Z. Um, <clears throat> I've known Tino for a while, and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where were you? Uh, where were you born at? Uh, I was born in uh, Bosnia. Um, I was born in 1992. Uh, though there was a Slavic war that was going on back in the day. It started in 1991. Um, I was born in like right in the beginning of the war. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents had to like leave everything over to Serbia to be able to actually leave the country. It was kind of kind of crazy. Damn! How old were you when you uh, when you guys got out? I was just maybe from what I, from my parents tell me, I was maybe like a month, less than a month. Uh, we fled over uh, right when this war started. I guess I guess the Germany opened up their doors. So right when uh, when my parents fled, we went over to Germany and we stayed there for about like six or seven years. Damn. And then and then after that, that was uh, when you when you moved to America when you were like seven. Yeah, so when the, when the war was over, um, we weren't allowed to go back. I mean, we were technically allowed to go back, um, but my dad seen like where a lot of the graveyards were. I don't know if you ever watched uh, Behind Enemy Lines. Yeah, there's a scene where um, Owen Wilson is like running in the forest and he trips and he lands in like this graveyard of just like people. Mm -hmm. um, my dad knew like he wasn't in the army, but he had a lot of friends that were in the army and he knew. Um, like where some of those grave sites were. And so he was afraid that he, if he went back to Bosnia, um, they would actually kill him for knowing what he knew. Damn. So, so because of that, um, my parents were afraid to go back to uh, Bosnia. But the thing was, United States luckily opened up their doors and uh, let you know, a lot of people in. So we, um, we came to the U.S. after Germany. Germany kind of kicked us out because my brother and uh, my brother wasn't the best... Uh, immigrant in germany so mm -hmm. <laughs> they wanted to they kind of kicked us over and uh luckily united states opened up their doors and um yeah i came to the u.s when i was about seven or eight don't really recall like exactly when but i know i came in um the united states when i was in 1999 damn yeah that's fucking crazy and then like what what did your family and stuff do like when um like to like you know get by once you guys like moved to america well we had we were in a program so we were we came here as immigrants so like we were in this program where uh it really i forgot what the program was called but it was essentially like a program where uh united states 
kind of helped out refugees from the war and they kind of like set them up. So they set us up into a, first we moved from Germany over to Louisiana. Mm -hmm. We lived there for about like six months. I would say probably only like six or seven months. Um, what I'm not sure how it happened, but like uh, the lady, it was a woman that was kind of like helping us out. She set us up with an apartment um, and it was all through the government, I believe. But they sent us up with like an apartment. They found my dad a job. Uh, my mom didn't work at the time. No, none of us really knew any English, but I believe my dad um, got into car sales. Yeah. <clears throat> um, we didn't, my parents weren't too fond of Louisiana and uh, my parents aren't racist. But it, the reason for that being was like, uh, there were no, not a lot of white people. My parents weren't used to that. Mm -hmm. See, in Croatia, there's like, there's no colored people at all. It's mainly just white. I mean, there's more now than there was back in the day. Yeah. You see like a colored per person, that's like, that was like rare. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, my sister, white girl. <laughs> yeah. my sister was essentially the only white girl in her uh, preschool class. So my dad was just like, I, we like, we got to go. Um, like to him, uh, where he grew up and how he was raised, like if you're, if you're dark skinned, you're poor because you worked out in the fields a lot. So you weren't really, you didn't have, you know, shelter or anything like that. You, mm -hmm. if you were dark, it's because of the sun and you were out there working in the fields a lot. So yeah, uh, when we were in Louisiana, like my dad feared that we were in a bad neighborhood or we're in a bad area. So mm. we moved to California because, uh, mm. I guess there was more opportunity from, in California than it was in Louisiana at the time. I'm really not too sure, but yeah, from that point on, we lived there for about six, six months. And the only thing that I remember from Louisiana, I would say is the parades. I remember um, them passing out like domino magnets in the parade yeah. and stuff like that. I don't know what kind of parades they were, but there were a lot of parades in Louisiana. That's one of my most cherished memories. Mm. That's fucking awesome, dude. Damn. Yeah. And how many, uh, how many siblings do you have? You have three in total, right? You have two, two, two brothers, one yeah. sister. So I have two brothers. Uh, both are older to me, uh, but, but there's like a 10 year difference. Um, then I have a younger sister and she's about four years younger than me. Yeah. And I mean, at least like from what like, I know of you and like your like siblings and stuff, like, um, they're like pretty like entrepreneurial spirited, <laughs> like all of you guys are. Um, would, like what, what would you say has really like kind of, I don't know, I guess they kind of taught you guys that, you know, is that, is that something that you feel is like carried over from like your, your family, like, like different, like, uh, coming from a different country. Do you feel like that plays a part in it at all? Oh, definitely. I mean, I come, I mean, I come from a, I know I might not, you know, give off the vibe, but I come from a very, very poor family back home. You know what I mean? Like when I visited my family back in Croatia, like they didn't have anything. It was a farm basically. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, they had the bare minimum. They would only get maybe like, if they're lucky, they would make $500 a month. So yeah. like, we literally come from nothing. And we, it was always like all the shirts that we got that were all just like hand-me-downs from like previous family members. You know what I mean? Like we never really had much. Mm -hmm. So when we, when we moved out of, um, uh, Bosnia, my parents had to leave everything over to Serbia to be able to leave. I mean, that was their way out. Mm -hmm. um, so when they moved to Germany, they didn't have anything. Um, so like same thing when we moved from uh, Germany over to the States, like we, like we literally had nothing. You know what I mean? 
and so like it the, the thing about like the usa like it's it's a land of opportunity right mm-hmm. it's what you make out of it so like my brothers like we didn't have anything so like you know we would see all this fame on tv we would see all this opportunity we we'd have to like we'd want that you know what i mean like we were hungry yeah. for it. we wanted that we didn't want just want to you know walk by and come to this beautiful country without just making something of ourselves yeah no definitely so my and brother I, was like huh no i was gonna say i'm, I'm pretty sure it kind of ties in a part into like what you get what you do now yeah see luckily i had two like my older brothers always encouraged me so like seeing them like i never had anything nice i never really had anything i mean when i was a kid when i was living in louisiana like i never got the newest toys i remember (laughs) my brother um he used to take me out to the back of goodwill and he let me like pick out some toys there like to me that was new toys you know what i mean like there were were toys that were broken a lot of missing pieces but to me that was like a new toy like i never had like any nice things uh, growing up mm-hmm. so my brother um my parents always you know they came to this country without anything and they made something out of themselves so i think it's my parents motivation and the strive to actually do better mm-hmm. that made, that kind of um helped my brothers want to succeed to be yeah. honest that's where i get a lot of my encouragement i, I kind of i shouldn't compare myself to my brothers but because they're 10 years older than me but that's something for me to kind of motivate me and want to do something better you know what i mean yeah well i mean that's you know ideal to to be able to look up to your siblings you know what i mean so yeah. uh, like you definitely have like um strong-willed men in your family so uh yeah if there's anything I, i've seen it's the fact that you guys just really know how to like make things happen um uh so no man like and like you moved into like america like really young so obviously like remembering life before america i'm sure it was was already a little skewed but like can you at least like recall like what that transition was like coming from like uh like a different country than moving into america like was that difficult at all oh definitely i mean when i lived in i didn't know any uh like i didn't speak uh german at all when i was a kid uh when we were in germany we lived in a trailer park uh we moved from a trailer park into this it was a weird building man it was like a it was essentially a boat but it was a it was apartment complex so you're living on water and it was it was a weird concept because i all it's like that's all i remember and but coming to the u.s like one i was so excited to come to the u.s and the reason being is do you remember um back in the day they used to have the, the chevron commercials where they had like talking cars it was like cars yeah <laughs> yeah cool. For me, I saw that as a kid and I looked at uh, like to my brother, my dad, and I was like, do they actually have those in America? And they're like, yeah, they do. So like my thought process was they have talking cars in America. Yeah. So I was really excited to come to America. And I mean, when I came to America, like that was one of the most scariest things that I've ever had to go through. Cause like, I didn't have, I didn't speak any English. I didn't have any friends, you know what I mean? Like trying to learn english trying to learn a new system and like yeah. to me that was like so challenging just because i didn't know the language i didn't know what was going on i mean when i was in i came to america i was in first grade when i came to america and i always got in trouble mm-hmm. and that's just because like i didn't know how to socialize so for me to be able to socialize and like get friends i would have to get in trouble just to get noticed mm-hmm. at least that's how i felt like yeah Damn, dude, that's really crazy. And especially, like, I can't even imagine, like, what that change was like. Because, like, how you were mentioning, like, you guys living in in areas, like, where 
you thought that it was poverty just because of the people that were living in it. But again, it was just coming from the background of what you guys knew. So like the whole culture shock, I could imagine how, how different that was for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's my parents. Um, I remember when I was like growing up, like, you know, there's, I had colored friends throughout my, you know, few years now. And it's, you know, when I would bring, like when I was in middle school or something like that, I would bring a friend home and I wouldn't be able to go over to their house because my parents didn't know what, what was going on in their household. You know what I mean? Like it was, yeah, we weren't sure what was going on, but that's just because that's how they, they were raised. And that's because they would, what they've seen back home. And it's like, there's a lot of, there's a huge difference between back home and the here. You know what I mean? That like mm-hmm. here, marijuana is legal. You can literally go down the street and just smoke it. Yeah. Over there, back in Croatia, like marijuana is considered it's equal to like cocaine you know what i mean yeah so like the the differences between what's okay what's not okay and just like the thought process is completely different yeah dude i know completely trying to shift that would be like hella hard but like it's even but like you know what i mean obviously your your parents did a really good job of like adapting as well too because like especially like like you said, you, you have colored friends, you know what I mean? Like not only just myself, but like, like Phil, you know what I mean? We were two people who were always constantly around. And I mean, your parents never had any sort of gripe or any sort of feeling about that, or at least if they ever did, they never showed it, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, no, so that, that's really cool that like you guys were hella able to adapt like that. It was, it was a challenge to be honest with you. Um, my, one of my toughest things is the language barrier. Like I say a lot of things that I don't mean, and it's just like, it's, for me, it makes sense, my, like my thought process. But the thing is, like when you, anytime you translate from one language to another, like the meaning of something changes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like how you say things in my language is completely different. It's said completely differently in English. So for me, it's like going, like going back between those two languages, like it's a little bit difficult to understand sometimes. Mm-hmm. Would you say you still, you still struggle with that, even though you've lived in America now for, you know, a long time? Okay. Always. I'll always say some stuff that I, I, I think I mean, or like I'm, my communication is not the best. Like it's, it's just God awful. Yeah. No, I'll, that, I'll say that's going to be very interesting. That's also going to be very interesting now being like a married man, you know what I mean? Cause communication is such a huge thing. <laughs> oh man. My wife, like she drills me about it all the time. You said <laughs> this, but that's not what I meant, but you said it. So it's, <laughs> it always goes back and forth with that, man. My communication skills is like terrible. <laughs> no, I feel that. Damn, that's all crazy. All right, so I'm gonna shift gears just a little bit here because um, you had actually told me that like you had like uh, went on a little bit of like a a, a streaming uh, tangent of my podcast and have listened to like pretty much all of them. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what's your favorite? My favorite, the one that stuck out to me the most is Passionate from far, um, from miles away. Yeah. That one to me uh, actually stuck out a lot just because when you, you first went in and talked about um, that roommate situation and how that whole thing played out. Um, my previous job, I was a property manager for like six years. So I, I related to that. Mm-hmm. And then also you talked about, um, I love what you mentioned about your career and, you know, like being passionate about your career, just because like a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck and the difference between um one of my previous mentors from eden housing um what she taught me was that people that are that are just working for a job that's a paycheck you know i mean that's from paycheck to paycheck it's just kind of like how do i put it in words um 
if you're living to paycheck to paycheck, that's just a job. That's not your career. Mm-hmm. You want to make a living out of it. That's a career. You know what I mean? That's something that you're passionate for and you want to yeah. So like when you mentioned that, like what you're doing and like you want to be passionate for, like, man, I hated working as a property manager. I lived there too. I mean, I was getting free rent, which was great. But mm-hmm. the things that I had to deal with and the things that I saw and just like, I, I was on the clock 24 seven. Like I, I would wake up dreading just being in my bed. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, I just couldn't escape it. So like for me, like that episode hit different. Damn. Yeah, dude. No. And, and you obviously know firsthand a lot of this stuff that I went through uh, with like the whole house situation and, and stuff. And like, you know what I mean? We were in constant contact with like, you know, what's the update on the laws, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. and so it's like, yeah, like the same time you were going through that was also definitely the same time I was like kind of going through it too with that, with that same kind of thing. Right. They were both housing issues. And, um, well, I mean, like in my, cause I had to evict a lot of people when it comes to like housing and it's, mm-hmm. it's terrible. Like it was not one of my favorite things to do, but it's like, you have to think about the safety and like, I, I mean, uh, you went to detail with me about what, what happened in that household and stuff like that and how much it yeah. changed. You, know, you said you guys love that household and you like, for you guys, it was like a safe being, you know what I mean? Like it was a safe, it was home yeah. and then for it to be turned into something different. Now it has like a weird taste in your mouth whenever you guys like think about it or like go back and it's, it's just not the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it really is crazy too. Cause like the, the house owner, like the, the homeowner who like, we're still, you know, like on good terms with, because we kept everything like up to date and whatnot. Um, now that everything's been done, the house is painted a whole new color. Uh, it's like, it doesn't even look like the old house at all. And, uh, yeah, the homeowner sold it cause he was just like, I can't, <laughs> he was like, he couldn't cause the, because <laughs> funny enough. And I actually don't know if I mentioned this in the episode, but the tenants who were at that house before us actually ended up developing a, a drug problem and that's, and they ended up having to evict, uh, the last one because of their, their drug problem. And they had to like re like do the whole house and everything because of that. So then we literally ended up like letting somebody in who had a drug problem and then ended up making the house literally like what he had already fixed it up from. So he was like, man, I'm over two on this. I'm out. Like, I don't, I don't want anything to do with this. Yeah. See that would, that's what it was like for me as an apartment, as like a property manager. I mean, like I, I went from when I first started as assistant, you know, like the, I, not all the responsibility was on me. It was on my property manager. You know what I mean? I was just the assistant at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I worked in Pinole, which is like right next to Richmond. So like, uh, it was a 144 unit property. And like the stuff when I had to go do like inspections and like evict people, like the, the way that the, they left that apartment was like, you can tell that they were pissed off. But like, I mean, it's, I mean, there's a lot that goes on with it. And it's just like being a property manager and evicting families and like, I remember this one family I had to evict, but the, it wasn't like that they were, they were outside smoking, which wasn't the issue. You know what I mean? But they didn't pay their rent and stuff like that. And after we went inside, I remember like, uh, once they got evicted, the son was there. He's like, how could you do this to us? Like, how could you kick us out, man? We have nowhere to go. And, you know? And it was like a family of five. And like, yeah, like I couldn't do anything. I couldn't say anything. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like it's, it is what it is. I just, there's not much that I can do. It's really heartbreaking to do that. Yeah. Like, man, I couldn't do it. I did it for six years and I, I had to step away after this pandemic hit and I was on the property 24 seven and like had no outlet. Mm-hmm. I had to like get out. It was just one of those jobs where 
it just I just couldn't see myself doing. Yeah. No, dude. And honestly, that was exactly how like I felt when, you know, working at Amazon, like because like how you're talking about it, like you had 144 units. I was having like 112 associates, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like having to like make sure that their performance is good enough so that they don't get written up. And like Amazon has this like such like bad reputation for like how they, they treat their associates and, and things like that. And like, I, me as a manager, like as, as an associate who or I started as an associate and worked my way into management, I always made sure I thought of the associates first. And so like, and like you said, like you've like, especially with the background that you've come from, the last thing you want to do is put a family out on the streets. You know what I mean? Because you like you, you've been there, you know what it's like to be in that, in that desperation mode. So Definitely. like, um, so it's like when you so when you see families that go through that it's just like damn it you know what i mean like it's like i really hate that this happens like i really wish i could have done something to stop this but unfortunately i can't and that's how i felt when i used to have to like fire people like after giving write-ups i used to get mad when i got write-ups i was just telling mitch this story the other day where i was like i actually like kept my whole entire team back of like 70 something associates and i and i like was like over 50 percent of you guys are getting write-ups today and i was like and i want you guys to like know that you guys are getting it and i was like and, like i was pissed off about it i was like really pissed off and everybody could tell and it's because like for a lot of them or for some of them it was their their final writtens so it's like they had they had 90 days to like not get another write-up or else they'll be fired and for me i really prided myself on like not trying to get people fired like I really kept that number super fucking low. And whenever I did have to fire somebody, like they knew that I hated doing it. They knew that I hated doing it. Like I remember there was one where I actually cried and like, and she was like, are you crying? And I'm like, no, like, and it, but I was, and it was because I was so pissed off because it was just like, why do I care about you having a job more than you do? You know what I mean? I would never want to be jobless. I would never want to be without a means of income. Like that's my biggest, that's my biggest fear. So it's well, like, I, this is like another, that's like another level of stress just added on top of, you know, that person. I mean, of course that that's like the shittiest thing you can do, but as a boss, you know, even as a manager, you have to make those tough decisions sometimes, which is, yeah. but that's what I mean. It was the same, it was the same level, if not more for you, because again, th these were people's livelihoods. They're, they're living, you know, being, so I can understand the weight that that held, you know what I mean? See, Doing it. It was different when I, so when I moved from, uh, when I moved from Pinol over to Novato, it was a different story at that point because like Novato is a, a wealthy county. So I thought I, you know, moved away from the poor area and, you know, went to a better section. But dude, I hated it like that. I hated Novato, that entire area. I did not like it. That's mm -hmm. something that I learned about myself. It's just like, so in Novato, it was like um, a lot of people expected a lot of things to be handed to them. Like there's, there's a certain privilege that, you know, that community had, and I hated that just because mm -hmm. like I had to fight for everything that I was given. I yeah. never, I never had any opportunities where things were just given to me. So like when I went to Novato and a lot of people expected a certain things from me and I didn't give them like, to me, that was, it was a different feeling. You know what I mean? Like I hated, I hated people just ha holding their hands out, expecting things to be given to them and just not having to work for what, you know, what they need to work for. Mm-hmm. So like when I moved, I, I moved from Novato over to Oakland and man, I loved Oakland. Oakland was a different city. It was, it was tough, but I loved every part of Oakland just because like 
you know, people weren't two-faced there. If they had issues with you, if they didn't like you, they would be straightforward with you. And you would know if someone had issues with you. Like I managed four buildings in Oakland and each property had its own issues, but man, like it was, you can tell that people struggled there and that they, they were fighting for their own, but they were genuine about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? There, there's a different struggle between Novato and Oakland. And I just, for me, like Oakland was just a different beast, but I loved it. Yeah. And it's really crazy too, because like in the time that you lived in Oakland too, you got yourself very like, or at least, you know, attempted to get yourself involved in like racial issues and a lot of the stuff, because you've seen firsthand a lot of the injustices that were, that were going on. Oh man, definitely. I remember um, like, Okay, so I say um, that Oakland is a different beast just because, like, a lot of things that happen in Oakland, like, it, it's shitty. I remember being a property manager there. I would, like, call the cops, and they wouldn't show up for three days. You know, they'd show up on my doorstep the, the third day and be like, hey, did you call the authorities? And I'm like, uh, you know, I was, like, cussing with, the, like, the police officers. I'd be like, why the fuck are you showing up at my door three days later? You know what I mean? Someone was just getting beaten up right in front of here. Like, you know, there was just a fight. Some guy had to go to a hospital here. Some guy got stabbed there, and there's just, like... Well, we had different, uh, you know, like we had different priorities at that point. I'm like, then don't fucking show up three days later asking what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like calling the cops asking for help. Like, it's a, I don't know, man. It's just, it was, it would like piss me off. And so, like, um, it's funny too because in Oakland, I was pretty much the only white guy there. Like, I was the minority. Like, there was, <laughs> there was like, you know, there's Indians, Arabs. There's like a whole bunch of different ethnicities. I was the only white guy there, and it's like I, yeah. I learned there was I earned the respect of the community. I remember this one time there's a, there's a woman that uh, she had company over and I guess they were drinking. Mm -hmm. um, I guess he tried pushing himself on her. So she came outside and was just like, like sitting by my doorstep. So they were arguing in front of my door and I walked out and I said, Hey, you know, just, just keep it down. I don't, you know, I don't want to have to call the cops or anything like that. Or no, just take it back inside. And she yeah. came up and was like, please help me. Like, I don't know this guy. He's trying to push up on me and like all this. And like, when I approached him, I said, Hey man, are you okay? Like she booked it into her house and locked the door. He started mm -hmm. like, running after her, like banging on her door. And I told him, I was like, look, man, you have to leave. Like, you know, being a property manager, people look up to you to make the community safe. Yeah. You know I mean? And I'm not, I'm not a superhero or anything like that. You know, I put myself in a lot of dangerous situations. You know what I mean? I could have gotten shot. I could have gotten stabbed. I could have gotten beat up. Mm -hmm. But I remember this, um, this man was like, just kept banging on the door. And I told him, I was like, man, you have to leave. And he like stepped up on me and like started talking shit to me. And uh, he went to grab the back of my head and I dodged it. And right when that happened, like a few residents came out. And actually, um, I remember this one guy came out actually, and he had my back and he's like, what's going on? It's like, Z, you okay? He's like, you need some help? He's like, hey, he's like, what the hell are you doing? Like stepped up to the guy to protect me. And it was like, to me, like that, that was, that was something different just because like, I know that I earned the uh, respect and you know, that the community actually felt for what I was trying to do and help them and how I was help, trying to help them out. Just yeah. like how I didn't want to fire anyone. Like I worked very hard with all my residents not to get them evicted or not to get them in any kind of trouble. Mm -hmm. Especially in Oakland, like people have a different mentality. You know what I mean? Like I worked with the homeless population, the domestic violence population. So like I housed all those individuals. So it's like I had to work with them hard and like make sure they understand what's going on and like work with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to see, I don't, I never want to see anyone like be put on the street just because of this living situation they got going on. If I can help someone out and make sure that they're housed and they're, you know, protected in some way and show that like they're being cared for that. I'd rather do that. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's actually what I loved about property management is being able to be that support and that help for someone. Damn. No, dude, I, I totally agree with you. I, I a thousand percent feel you on every cylinder when it comes to that. You know what I mean? It's like I said, and it's, and I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that like, you've been there, like you, like you said, your upbringing, like where you came from, like, like you, like you've obviously been in situations where it's like poverty levels are low, you know what I mean? And it's like, and you really have to fight to get your own. And then it's like to be in an area, like you said, where it's already like that. And then to have the people who are actually supposed to help you and be there for you, not to be there and help you in the times that you need it. Well, I mean, yeah, because it actually reminded me a lot of um, just living in Oakland. It actually reminded me a lot of like my childhood, to be honest with you. Like, uh, yeah, like I, when I, the way that I was raised, my dad was, he was an alcoholic. Um, he, he was very abusive, like verbally and uh, physically at times. So like, you know what I mean? Like a lot of the things that I endured as a kid, I saw in Oakland. So to me, it was just like, it was my way of trying to change someone else's life and better them. Just because like, I mean, I, I did a good, I think my parents did a good job of raising me. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. like growing up, I was an angry child. I was like, I didn't know how to express myself. I didn't have anyone like too many people to talk to. Um, I had issues like making friends. Like for me, like my dad, loves dark humor so for me like in high school and uh, middle school for me it was like i had to be a clown like i didn't know how to really read too much you know what i mean like when i was in second grade i was forced to read a book and and you know in front of everyone and i did terrible and stood so, like to me like my confidence level like went down a lot so like the only way that i knew how to make friends is by just making jokes all the time but that's the thing like i didn't really learn how to communicate properly about how i'm feeling or what's going on and i held it in a lot so it's me it's like when i was in oakland i saw a lot of that in oakland like in people's households and stuff like that so like i would call them into my office and i would talk to them and just let them know that you know if, if they just needed someone to talk to like i'm there for them because a lot of people don't have that yeah a lot of people don't have like an outlet where you can just talk to them and being in oakland where i've seen people like get abused and like talked down to and stuff like that especially you know when, when there's drinking involved it's like it's a lot like i remember i had this one tenant, they were always drunk, but they were always, they were always arguing. It was between like anywhere between like 9 PM to like 2 AM. They would argue and I had had to like step outside my unit and go down and talk to them and just like, let them know that, you know, they're not in trouble, but they will be getting like a lease violation. They will be getting certain things, but I need to let them know, just like, Hey, you guys are disturbing the peace. You know I mean? You don't want to lose your home because of this. So yeah. this is like, there, there's a different way that I was being, I had to approach things because of the way that I was raised and some of the things that I went through that kind of helped me, kind of helped me um, learn how to approach these things. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, a thousand percent. You just treated people the way that you wanted to be treated. Like, yeah, that, you know what I mean? Pretty much down to it. And I mean, I, like I said, I can totally feel that 110% because that was exactly what I did. Like, like you said, coming, like having that kind of just being in a situation where, again, you, you have the power to help out people so that they're never without it. You know what I mean? Like, like coming up and not always having a secure place to live. You put yourself in a position where you were able to help people secure where they lived by working with them. And that was not really something that's usually offered to people. Like I, you know what I mean? Like my, like, um, I can say like the house that I lived in, like the, um, the, the homeowner there, 
like was one of the best to this day like that i that i've ever like seen or encountered and very similar to you like he didn't want to evict us he didn't want to like you know have this shit go on our record and he worked with us as much as possible like he literally down to like increment payments like let's just make sure everything's up to date you know and like really really worked with us um during those tough times so you know and having a landlord like that is is huge it, it really can like help you in your standard of living because again like that's what we all kind of strive for is just making sure we have secure living and secure finances yeah and, and so it's like when you have people in those kind of positions who can make one of two of those things easier for you like it, that's a you know what i mean you're 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 a very important person to that to those people you know, you know what i mean and it's crazy because like for you i know it, it doesn't feel like it's a lot of effort but it you know what i mean it goes a long way and you know i knew um my my best part of my job is like when uh people would come up to me and like tell me how much they appreciated me like um for what i did for them like they didn't even have to tell me that you know i mean they they even sometimes like brought me food um and just i remember when i told the community that i was leaving um i got a lot of like cards i got a lot of like hugs i got a lot of people like uh brought me food and stuff like that like it was it was a sad moment like i didn't want they made me not want to leave the situation like that entire community like it, it's hard to explain man but it was it was definitely tough to leave but i knew it was a it was a good choice for me i mean it's i did it for six years and it was it was so tough like uh going just being a property manager i hear all these different stories about being a landlord and being a slum lord and like a lot of people not caring about their living situations they just want the money and the rent and stuff like that and it's just like i don't know how people do that man like that's yeah. one when i started property management i told myself i would never be a slum lord i never want to be that person that just wants to collect rent but not really care about the quality of living of others you know what i mean like that just because like that's how i grew up i went from home to home to home you know what i mean like i moved around so many times um growing up that it's just like i never really had a stable place you know what i mean i would i would make a friend or two um and then a few months later i would have to move so you know what i mean like con i was constantly moving and i was the only place that i stayed stationed is um uh, is tracy tracy california i stayed there for like you know majority of my life yeah but the rest of the place like i moved around from you know bosnia over to germany from germany to louisiana from louisiana to california and then we moved around you know several times within each area so it's just like it was i've never really had it like a stable place so for me like when i was a property manager like i really saw an opportunity for to be that difference um in someone else's you know what i mean like i had a lot of i love i love kids so like um in, my, in the old apartment complex that i managed in oakland like the kids there like seeing them being able to run around and play and have a place to just you know to to call home and to play in like to me that was like like a an amazing vision that i had to see yeah but yeah man and it's been definitely a journey with property management i'm, I'm kind of i'm really happy that i stepped away though no, I definitely can feel that, man. Well, shit. Let's um, let's shift gears one last time here. So, um, we've uh, obviously have been friends for a really long time. Like I've known I've known you since we were like twelve. Um, yeah. So there's obviously a lot of stories uh, over our friendship and stuff like that. But what would you? What is your favorite story of our friendship? My favorite story. The one that sticks out to me the most is when we were uh, in Miss Atkins' class. Uh, I think that's her name, dance class. Yeah. And, uh, 
Yeah, I was I was sitting on on the rim of the trash can, and uh, I was waiting for you know the dance. I forgot what we were doing, but I was just sitting there. I don't know what I was doing, and here comes Tino, little Tino, <laughs> just picks up my feet and just straight dumps me in the trash can. Um, not only that though, he decided to roll me. So so that's that's one of the famous uh, memories that always stick out to me. Just, <laughs> Fucking Tino, man. <laughs> I was a, I was a, I was a little asshole in middle school for sure. So, <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had a weird sense of humor as well. So definitely, yeah, that story is always one that I like. Kind of put like the the palm to the face every time we I hear it. <laughs> I think you made me cry if I remember correctly. I, I oh, teared up in here, but I was like, I just got trash. <laughs> I mean, I was twelve. <laughs> I was a little scrawny, a little white kid. I was a nerd. I mean, I, you know, I, w- I would do it to myself if I saw myself sitting on his trash room. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I mean, I got plenty of stories with you, but that one, for some reason, like always sticks out to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I totally feel that one, man. Oh man. Well, I, I think that's pretty much it, man. I, I want to say thank you so much for you know what I mean doing this. Uh, interview here with me I, I think it's really cool to like let people like know who are the people that i keep close in my life you know what i mean and you're definitely somebody who i've always kept really really close to me like even from like back in like high school days and stuff and you know what i mean our friendship has gone through a lot and i feel like it's only really made us stronger as brothers you know what i mean so i definitely felt like it was important to kind of you know let people know like who i keep in my circle because like yeah you definitely are, are a huge huge part of that well, thank you, man. You know, I always see you as family, and no matter what happens, I'll always be there for you, man. Absolutely, brother. Same way. So, all righty, bro. Well, I'm going to call you right after we uh, finish up here. But, yeah, man. So, uh, thank you again for being on here. And, uh, yeah. No, thanks for having me, man. It's uh, it's an honor. I can honestly say it's an honor, and I'm I'm pleased. And, I mean, I can't express how, how much it, it's just nice to be here with you. Wow. Same, bro. Fucking same. Alrighty, guys. So that was the phone interview that I had done with my buddy Zlatan Yurinovich, aka Z. Um, a really great dude. Like overall, like literally, that's why I'm like, this dude is my brother. Like I hold that man like near and dear to my heart just because of how big of a heart he has and you know how much of a a support system he is for not only me but for our other friends that we have as well he's always that person that is going to be there and hype you up and he'll hype you up in a good way like he'll question you when he needs to question you but he always will support you no matter what and those are the type of people that you definitely want to surround yourself with and that's why i felt like it was very important to have him on this episode to kind of just further show just you know, when people say I have good character and things like that, just know I, I am a product of the people that I surround myself with. So the, he is definitely one of them. So to close out this episode, I thought there would be no greater way than to do it with a song that is Z's personal favorite of mine. Um, this song actually came out on a project called Relay the Message that I did man, several years ago <laughs> to raise money for Relay for Life, which is to raise money for the American Cancer Society. Um, and all the proceeds at the time had went to there, uh, but it is now available for free download on my Bandcamp. So if you go to 2019.bandcamp.com, there is the full album for Relay the Message, um, including this song that you guys hear here. 
which was produced by The Fiend and the Fee, uh, my boy Steve Capella, um, who just, I told him to, I, I said, hey, there's this Nickelback song that I, I really like and I want to find some unique way to flip it up. And that man took on the task and made it what it is now. So, uh, without further ado, this song right here is called You Gotta Remind Me. Grounded in my spirit's alive Even when I'm feeling stuck like a deer in the lies This deer in me ride, I have the feeling to rise I can't even beat death with the will to survive I'm a strong man who came in with a smart plan To fill in the gaps with the palm of my hand I'm with the game to missing And with minimal effort my skills Apply pressure just on killing the hecklers Spinning in abundance, I see my visions I'm just making six digits and running with my exquisites I'm just chilling in the mountain It's just me and my wifey I know I'm at the top, you ain't gotta remind me I don't let my skills be the one to define me I know I'm at the top, you ain't gotta remind me uh.
so next week I will be bringing on another dear friend of mine by the name of Alex Lopez, aka EP the Mime. Now this guy is not only somebody who is literally my very first friend to date that I met when I was like two or four years old, somewhere in there, and um, we have been so close uh, since then. And I mean, we've had parts where we didn't talk for a couple years and things like that and pursuing our own endeavors, uh, separately, but me and him are always two people that we've constantly kept each other very, very close. And it's really funny now because our artistic ventures, uh, where they're at now, even though in very different paths have found themselves to be quite on the straight and narrow of each other. And um, that's going to be a little bit hard to understand, but we're going to dive into that a little bit more next week when he talks about uh, his album, uh, Origins EP, um, which is released on all streaming platforms. So again, follow EP The Mime on all streaming platforms, on all social media platforms, um, and really take a listen to what he's got, man, because he is somebody who definitely uses music to speak for his, to speak for himself. And um, it's amazing because as somebody who also does that, um, it's really interesting to see the way he goes about it. Like the, the guy is really a genius, and I and I really like look up to the man like so much as far as like his artistry and his musicianship and what he's been able to accomplish in the time that he's been doing music. And um, honestly, he is the number one support as to why Hollywood is what it is. And um, you guys can check out the last interview that I did with him uh, last year during the pandemic. Uh, we, we talked a lot about some of the new singles he was releasing and kind of the direction he was going with music then. Um, but things have changed a lot since then. So I kind of want to bring him back on the show and update everybody on, you know, I mean, again, what the people in my circle are doing to better themselves and um, just kind of how we all work in hand in hand and trying to do that for one another, you know. And so with that being said, that's what we are going to conclude on. And I will see you guys next week. This is Tino Kildick sending off from another episode of What the Fuck, am I doing with my life? <laughs>